0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Ask the Professor, a crowd-driven, crowd-supported feature where we answer your questions on history, politics, economics, the Constitution, foreign policy, all those things that matter to us in our life together as citizens. And today's question comes from Derek, and he says, when you talk about the Constitution, you need to discuss common law and the British North America Act, and also international covenants. And that's a very important point, but to some extent, Derek, I have to plead not guilty because I have by no means ignored these things. In the constitutional trilogy, the documentaries Magna Carta, our shared legacy of liberty and True Strong and Free, Fixing Canada's Constitution and a Right to Arms, we've talked a good deal about the common law. And here, what I really want to do is recapitulate the crucial and often overlooked point about what Daniel Hannon has noted is revealingly also known as the law of the land, something that only exists in Anglosphere countries and comes out of the unique constitutional fusion that occurred in Britain between the Roman rule of law, the Greek spirit of free inquiry, the emphasis on the dignity of man that comes out of Judaism and then Christianity, and the habit of self-government that the Germanic tribes brought over in the otherwise devastating invasions in the post-Roman period. The thing about the common law, and it was codified in large measure under King Henry II, he's the father of bad King John, who was dragged to Runnymede and forced to seal Magna Carta because John was not respecting the liberties of his citizens. Under Henry II, who was in a power struggle with his barons over who would dispense justice, and the king cheated. He was super devious. He won the struggle, brought justice into the royal courts, and out of the baronia ones, primarily by giving better justice. And better justice had several components. One is that he sent his judges around to where people lived, so you could actually access the king's courts, something else which is then guaranteed in Magna Carta. But the other thing that he did is he made the jury into a permanent part of the system. And so when judges went out to investigate, hear cases, what they did is they would impanel local people. And they wouldn't just ask them to judge the facts of the case. They would also ask them, what is the law under which you live and consent to live? So what you got, and this, I remind you, is in the 12th century, you get... Judge-made law, but not in the obnoxious sense that we know it today, where Solon sitting on the bench just makes stuff up because they're so superior that they feel they cannot err. Quite the reverse. This was popular sovereignty in action, not through the legislative branch, which didn't even exist yet, nor through the executive, which is not a very effective channel for it to flow, but through the judiciary, through judges discovering what the laws were that the English consented to live under by virtue of having actually lived under them and had them operate locally over hundreds of years. And so when parliaments do come along, and they come along after Magna Carta, you know, the first really recognized parliaments, the one summoned by Simone de Montfort in 1265, the reason that not just the nobles and the clergy, but also the commoners are meeting in a national council isn't to make policy. It's not to decide what the law should be. It's to make sure that the law that exists is respected, what was laid down in Magna Carta and elsewhere. And if I may skip ahead now 500 years to the American Revolution, when the American Founding Fathers write, we the people, They're not innovating, they don't think they're inventing a new system of government and they're not. What they're doing is trying to ensure that they will continue to enjoy the blessings of liberty that they have received from Britain based on the fact that the English made their own laws. When we think about the English-speaking people making their own laws of course we think about Parliament and that's primarily how it's been done for a very long time. But when you go deeper you realize that the law that we made is the common law. The rules that govern disputes between us about our rights and between us and our government about our rights in most cases and for this reason the proliferation of statute law that we've really seen since the late 19th century although it looks like an exercise of the popular will is dangerous it is the political class increasingly taking the right to make the rules out of the hands of ordinary people and taking it upon itself of course they have the sanction of elections but the process is increasingly impenetrable Increasingly, it doesn't matter who you vote for, you get essentially the same program. And it's harder and harder for us to control the circumstances under which we live. Now, I'm not going to say much about international law. I don't think much of international law. I am perfectly happy with the sovereignty of the Canadian people over Canada. We can make our own rules, thank you very much. If anybody else has a good suggestion, we can adopt it through our own parliament. And if they have a bad suggestion, I have no interest in us adopting it. But when it comes to self-government, I'm also skeptical particularly of the 1982 Constitution, which was by and large Pierre Trudeau coming down from Parnassus knowing how we ought to live instead of respecting our right to decide for ourselves how we ought to live. So that's the very brief answer to this, you should talk about the common law, as I do talk about the common law. The longer answer is I invite you to watch the Constitutional Trilogy. First, Magna Carta, our shared legacy of liberty, which you made in 2015 on the 800th anniversary of its ceiling, and then the two from 2016, True, strong and free about fixing our constitution, getting us back to where we need to be with popular control of government. It discusses all kinds of things like a charter of rights that doesn't have loopholes, creating more smaller provinces so they're closer to the people. Watch it for all these details and more. And also a right to arms, which again talks about the evolution of our constitutional order and also the importance of citizens ultimately controlling what their government does even after they've elected it. And of course, remember, we do not elect the judicial or the executive branch, just the legislature. So it's also vitally important that the legislature should again become our way of controlling government and not something that is complicit in the executive and its grand schemes. All that being said, yes, Derek, common law is critical. It is a great blessing and something we must not allow to slip away. Now, if you're enjoying Ask the Professor, it is crowd-driven. We rely on your questions. And if you've got one you'd like to ask, click here. It'll take you to the appropriate place on my website. And if you think the feature ought to continue, along with my other work, and you're not already a backer, click here and make a monthly pledge, as little as $3, as much as you think it's worth and you can afford, to sustain this because I am essentially crowd-funded in all that I do. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.